Today's reading is John 14, verses 12 through 18. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We've been talking about the kingdom of God uh, here at Grace for some uh, weeks. And today we wanted to do something a little bit differently and to have a conversation. Because the nature of the topic that we've chosen to have a conversation about is one that requires some nuance. And it raises a lot of questions. And oftentimes, um, you can't just, you can't do it in preaching. Uh, you, you can drop information on people in preaching, but you really can't have a dialogue. So hopefully through the dialogue that we're going to have today, that it might uh, stimulate you to, to, uh, to faith, and then also to, uh, to perhaps asking some more questions, interacting, and, and, and searching for more answers yourself. So we're not going to answer all the questions you might have today. Our topic is about healing and the kingdom of God. Uh, this is Alex Absalom, for those of you who are new. He's our, our newest pastor here on staff. He comes to us from uh, doing ministry over in the UK as well as here in the States. Comes with a lot of experience and I feel a lot of uh, ability to have nuance on the topic that we're, we're dealing with today as well. So our topic is about healing and healing in the kingdom of God. So I guess one of the questions that we might want to talk about to begin with is how is healing uh, connected to the kingdom of God? And so let's talk about that. What, what, how would you open that up? I'm going to turn my chair here a little bit. So um, <clears throat> I think the starting point is understanding that um, we follow a king. So Jesus is our king. And that means uh, the idea of kingship is that he is in, in charge. He rules over everything in his creation. And so that means he conquers not only... Um, uh, we're not only is in charge of the good stuff, but he, he deals with the bad stuff. And so uh, part of the message of following Jesus is that we can come to him, we can have our sins taken care of, so we can have spiritual healing with God. But he's also a God who's not just concerned with the spiritual, he's engaged with every part of his creation. He wants to see everything healed and mended and restored. And so part of that includes healing of, of physical illness and, and mental and emotional illness. And, and by the way, we haven't scripted this out, so we have no idea where we're going on this. All right, this is really free form. But one of the things that, um, that has struck me in light of that is that, that has been a real game changer for me is this, the nature of the fact that this good news is much bigger than just salvation yeah. from your sin, yeah. and then you get to go to heaven when you die. But it's the fact that God's 
God is breaking into this world in a very real way. And when his kingdom breaks in the world, then there's things that happen that point toward what is going to happen in the end of time, Revelation 21, 22, where there is, there is healing, there is no more death. And I think that for me, that was, um, I, had, I didn't come out of seminary with that. Uh, the only thing I came out, well, one of the things I came out with was a very kind of truncated, shrunken good news that was very individualized, personalized. So you didn't look out and have a lot of expectations for the rest of the world around you. And that's been very helpful for me. But go ahead and talk some more about what else, in terms of how has this then become good news? This, how does healing fit into this good news? Well, it's interesting that uh, as Jesus does his ministry again and again, uh, he brings healing and deliverance uh, to the center of what he does. So it's not just a one or two occasion thing, but actually it's absolutely um, in the crosshairs of, of how he ministers and how he lives his life. Uh, so there's repeated healings in the Gospels. There's repeated times where Jesus delivers people from evil spirits. as many times he raises people from the dead. And so, um, and he teaches us that the way he does that stuff is because he, he only does what he sees the Father doing. He only says what he hears the Father saying. Uh, and he says that in the same way we're to live that out, we're to carry that on. Hence the Bible reading we had this mm-hmm. morning mm-hmm. Uh, from Fred. This, this sense of that in the same way that Jesus operates, we're, if we're his disciples, we're to call to operate like that as well. So part of what we're about is not just sharing about the good news of Jesus, that he's come to sort us out spiritually, but also part of that message is uh, we are to go and heal the sick. Just so that they know that we're not just tossing softballs to each other or little balloons up here. There are people that have, that that's not been in their wheelhouse. And that's not necessarily been my theological wheelhouse or practice um, in terms of my seminary education. And so it's been a gradual thing for me to, to have my eyes opened um, to what you've just described. So what, what do we say to people who maybe um, have more of a, uh, they've been taught by a pastor along the way, more what we would call um, theologically cessationism, that, mm-hmm. uh, that Jesus did this, and then the apostles did it, and then it stopped, and you guys just, you know, be happy you're going to heaven. Yeah. What do we, what do we say to people? I mean, what, what, yeah. what is our response to them? So, several fold. I mean, uh, uh, I'd say, first of all, I might say, if someone was kind of trying to give chapter and verse for that, I'd want to point out that's clearly not a biblical doctrine. So, there's nowhere in the Bible says the gifts are just for a season and they stop. Mm-hmm. So, so, I'd say that's a... It's, I think is actually contrary to scripture. I think it's heretical, but at the very least you could say it's not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, uh, I, think, um, I think there's a mindset thing here, which is uh, too often what we try and do is we, it's almost like we say um, uh, uh, who God is and how he operates has to submit to my mind. Mm-hmm. So unless I can explain it or, ha- or I have experienced it, it can't be true. And, and that's basically what cessationism is doing. It, it's coming from, I think, a situation where people say, I've not seen this happen in my life or in the lives of those around me. I've been frustrated and hurt, which there is a legitimate... Yeah. We can come to the pastoral thing if you want to. Uh, and so, therefore, the, people create a theology to explain their experience, which is always going to be problematic. And I, and I think in, in perhaps in that piece as well, from my own experience, has been watching people that if, if, you're, if you have hoped or you have prayed, and something has not happened, then there's a sense in which it's easy to lower your expectations so that you don't get hurt again. Yes. Basically, like, okay, I'm just going to protect myself 
by not hoping, by not expecting, by not stepping into that again. So that's to me, is one of those pastoral pieces. Yeah, it is. And, and, and obviously, everyone would resonate with that. that that's a very human right. condition to feel like that. Uh, I, think, um, I think past the way we, we need to respond pastorally is actually perhaps re, uh, reframe how we understand pastoral response to, to when there isn't healing, when, there's, when we have to wait for healing. And uh, I, I think, you see, being pastoral doesn't mean that we just kind of go, um, oh, you know, oh, it, it wasn't meant to happen, or, or we backpedal. The, the, the temptation is to, because we care for people who have not seen the answer happen, is to, is to like, say, water down our theology or water down our faith mm-hmm. to, to the, in order, out of a, a desire to care for people. Whereas I think the pastoral response to where there isn't healing is to actually um, be even bolder in saying, we are going to stand with you and persevere with you. We as a community are going to come alongside and pray and love and serve and support and fight with you this whole journey. And, and I think that's a, that's a more... Um, I think that's a more biblical uh, understanding of how we pass to people through those situations. So as opposed to giving um, some kind of a theological answer that kind of deflects things to, well, it must not be God's will, or God has a perfect plan for your life, or yeah. you know, those kind of yeah. sayings that we've heard, what you're advocating, what you seem to be advocating is more of a, of a practice. Don't, don't give the, those kind of um, real broad comments, but rather step into the practice of coming alongside and continuing to step into prayer for these people. I mean, we do have people here yeah. that are facing chronic illnesses. Yeah. Uh, we have people that are, have life-threatening uh, diseases and things like that, yeah. and they're listening to us right now, too. And I say, as someone whose mother has got stage 4 cancer, so this is real in our life as well, so I'm not saying this as, as hy- hy- hypothesis, uh, but um, I, I still believe that uh, we are to... Um, but let me put it like this. I think if I said... If I said to people in this room, are you an atheist? Probably, it might be one or two, you, you just hear his guess, you, you're trying to work it out. But for most of us, we would say, oh, no, I'm not an atheist. You'd be a bit offended if I called you that even. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we kind of mentally are saying, oh, I'm a believer, I follow Jesus. But here's the problem. I think a lot of the time we, we function as atheists. We're functioning atheists because we don't expect God to operate as a supernatural being in our lives today. We don't expect him to come in and to intervene and to change situations in a way that we can't explain rationally. Or, or perhaps we've not experienced before. And so I think the challenge is, and it's a challenge, I, I, I challenge myself with this, is am I living in such a way that I'm expecting God to be an intervening God uh, as we go through life? Because when I look at how Jesus operates, he expects that mm-hmm. all the way. He says to us, you're going to do greater things than I did. Right. Uh, and, and he commissions us to live like this. And so why aren't we expecting that? And I guess it raises the question too, is this world open to God? I mean, is this, mm-hmm. is this God's world, and is it open to him, or is it closed off? I mean, right. that's a huge yep. piece that has come out of, you know, the Enlightenment, is that is the world just closed off? Is God dead? You know, all those kind of questions. I think another piece for me, as, as you were just talking there, has, that, was, that really changed things for me, and this is, again, over time, has been to, to see that the, the word that um, describes what Jesus does, that includes um, healing, in, in the New Testament, mm-hmm. is mighty deeds. Mm-hmm. It's not miracles. It's the King James that came along, the King James Version, 1611, that came along and did the translation of miracles. But what the Greek uses is, most frequently is the word dunamis, which is, uh, or in the plural dunamoi, it's, it's power. And thus it's been translated out to mighty deeds. And what happened when, when 
I was given the, the translation of miracles is it caused me to see that that was a special category for Jesus because he is divine. He is God. So therefore, I'm not expected to do miracles because miracles is something that Jesus does. But when you then see it as, no, 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 take that off the table, it's mighty deeds. Jesus did these mighty deeds as a signpost pointing to what the world is intended to look like. And then he sends out, in Luke 10, he sends out the 70 or 72 to go do this very same thing. Why? Not because he's saying, now, you've, now you're divine and now you can do miracles, but rather he's saying, no, you all are called to continue what I have been doing, and that is to be signposts of the kingdom, which means... Through the Spirit, you, you all are going to carry the same actions that I have been doing that point to this in-breaking reality that God wants to bring in all of its fullness one day. That was a game changer. For, that was, again, a game paradigm shifter, whatever you want to call it, for me when I realized that, no, these, the, when you, one little translation allowed that world to open up and realize, oh, so that's what he was doing, and that's why he said the greater works, because in terms of the volume and the scope of what was going to happen, he said, you guys, it makes sense. You guys are going to continue to do this type of thing. And I think it's about more than the volume. I think it's, it's not just there's more of us doing stuff. I think there's, a, there's something, a qualitative statement to that as well. Expand which on is that. interesting. Expand. Um, I think if you go and look at the Greek in that, it's, it's imp- the, the, it, the implication is not just there's now millions of believers, so we're going to do more stuff than Jesus could do, just number-wise, but actually there's something about... There's going to be situations which we're going to, believers are going to do stuff which we don't see even Jesus got around doing in the Gospels. And that's not a negation of who he is. It's actually something he says, I'd be thrilled if that stuff happens. So let's talk, to, let's talk about people perhaps that are sitting in here today who um, maybe they're skeptical or maybe they've had a, a, you know, a bad experience in church with the kind of the abuse of... Um, whatever in this area. Mm. I, the thing I've appreciated about you, this is a little parenthesis here, is the fact that y- having had your uh, kind of your exposure to um, the UK and what's going on over there, and it seems to me you have a much more nuanced, and I don't, I'm not using the word balance, but a nuanced approach to this whole issue of, of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit and the work of the spirit that... I found to be very refreshing because it's not driving from one ditch into the next. Um, so what has shaped that f- for you that you might offer to the people here that might keep us from just staying in a ditch because we've seen the abuse of it? Mm-hmm. Um, w- what is it that might get us out of the ditch, drive down the road and not be afraid of abuse of it or we need to strike this incredible balance so therefore we don't try anything. Mm-hmm. Does it, how's, how's, how's that for a convoluted question? Wow, that is, yes, so, um, uh, so a couple of th- things. We can go in a number of directions. Go so I think I've said this before somewhere, which was I think the answer to wrong use is not no use, but it's right use. Mm-hmm. And so um, even if you've been in a situation where you felt things like this, gifts of spirit or... or um, healing or whatever, has been taught incorrectly or, or, or ministered in a way that's been really ungracious or whatever, heavy-handed, uh, that doesn't mean we run away from it. We just need to do it in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of work teasing this stuff out is uh, being in great community together. So the scriptures seem to indicate that when we use this, the gifts of the Spirit, is something which you do communally, and there's a sense in which we, we together learn, we together make mistakes, we together correct each other and try stuff. So I think that's okay. Um, 
uh, you know, we're never going to get everything perfect out of the box. It doesn't work like that. Uh, as disciples, you know, disciples means we're yeah. learners. We're going to try stuff and experiment and fail. Um, there's something else. Can I keep going? Go, go, keep go. Going. Yeah, it's okay. a conversation. Uh, so um, uh, there was one little thing I did prepare was we have a little table or slide we wanted to pop up on the screen. And um, something that's helped me is thinking about two different angles on, on how God heals today. Um, and it's, it's kind of, you'll see that at the top of the headings, covenant and kingdom. And those represent kind of two streams of theological thought. So a more covenant theology is something you might see more in traditional Pentecostalism, for instance, those of you familiar with that. Uh, and then we kind of put kingdom of God uh, understanding of how, how God works in healing. So he, 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 here's just very simply what we mean by this table. So the first, uh, well, the, sec- the second line, it says, what's the perspective that they give to us on how God heals? And so a, a covenant understanding of healing is that God is a loving father. He, he knows us. He cares for us. He has good gifts for us. You know, the scriptures say uh, in the same way that if, if, I, if my son asks me for bread, I don't give him a snake or a scorpion. Uh, God's the same way to us. And obviously on the Father's Day, we're particularly aware of that. So he's a good father. He loves to give us good stuff. Then alongside that, we also recognize that God is our king and he's fighting for us and he brings freedom. He sets the captives free. Um, uh, and so that means that as, as we go down to the next level, as you think about uh, when we start to pray in these sorts of situations, uh, a covenant approach to healing is I'm in a relationship with God, my father. He's my, he's my dad. I can ask him for anything he's got. Uh, a kingdom mindset says uh, we're in a battle and we need to fight and we look to him for the tools and the weapons that we need. Uh, key scriptures, uh, you will hear you know, in a more covenant kind of view of, of, of healing, in, Isaiah talks about by his stripes we are healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a kingdom approach might be from the Lord's prayer. Lord, your right. kingdom come now. Uh, and then just at the end, the response to, uh, and it, I put, is there a spiritual discipline if we don't see healing? And I think um, under more covenant theology, mm. the challenge is faith. Mm. And a kingdom theology ch- challenge is more perseverance. And Jesus talks about both those things. Uh, and uh, and, and these, I share this list, not to say, they're not an either or, but I think it's a both and. And some of you who've had some experience in this area perhaps will have kind of lent one more one way than the other. And I think there's a kind of a sense of drawing from both those streams mm. in how we get healthy balance in, in, in what we teach and how we minister healing. One thing you might clarify is the we need more faith because sometimes yes. people have heard that as, Correct. you know where I'm going. Yes. Didn't answer it. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, so Jesus clearly uh, identifies faith as being a key part of healing. So we can't run away from that. Right. There's, there's numerous times in the Gospels he talks about faith being a key element. There's a time he goes to Nazareth, to his hometown, and it right. says he, w- he was amazed at the lack of faith and did very few healings right. there, very few uh, mighty, mighty deeds. deeds. And so uh, faith is clearly a function in here. I think the problem is, so we mustn't run away from that. The problem is when I think we lay it on the individual being prayed for when they aren't healed. Because what that does is it's, it's it going back to the partial, it's very partially damaging and, and can be unkind. Now, it might be that the individual does have an issue and needs to think about faith. But I think the challenge is, rather than lay that on the person, I think the challenge is, I feel, is for us as a community. Are we, are we creating a culture of faith where we are expectant that God comes and heals? Are we together expecting that we... we we worship and follow a God who, who is invading our lives, who is supernaturally able to come and do things, to intervene. Because if we as a community don't think that, then that creates a culture that permeates what goes on. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. So here's the image that just came to me. My trees out in front of my yard. So I have a bundle of three trees that we got from H&H. &H. We paid a lot of money. They've been growing over the years. And all of a sudden, I noticed that one of those three, just no leaves on it. And so I went over after I was mowing the lawn, and I rocked it and took down a tree with my bare hands. It was impressive. <laughs> Very impressive. I wish I would have had a video, just, you know, YouTube. Um, and then noticed that the second of the three trees was not bearing leaves. And I'm going, oh, we got a problem, Lori. She went to H&H &H this weekend, and the lady um, said that a lot of people are having their trees die because of the drought. So the water table has gone down so much that therefore there's a lot of trees that are dying. And if you knew what was going on, you could have watered, deep watered, and these are trees that have been around for a long time, but you could have deep watered and maybe rescued them. So I'm thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm probably gonna be three for three on my trees dying out front. But the thing that just struck me as you were saying that was kind of that picture of, of, of faith being like a water table. That, that if we don't raise that water table, then eventually what's going to happen is it's going to, you know, there's not going to be life. And, and what looks like life is really, is, is just going to eventually wither. And, and that's the thing I think that we've been trying to step into is really, it's not just healing, but it's the life that God wants to bring to the world of which healing is a part of it. And I think that it, for me, it's, it's also this issue of, of love. That um, if I really love someone, I want I want what God wants for them, and I guess maybe I've in my um, years of pastoral ministry and the things that I've encountered, I guess that has become more clarifying for me is um, do I love people well, and what do I want for them? Mm. And I think that's where it has opened my eyes to say, well, you know, you can be all right in your theological categories and not be loving. You know, and I think that this is, this is for me as an opportunity to step in and say, I want God's kingdom. I want um, God's love to break out in people's lives and to see real transformation in whatever way he wants to instead of me sitting back and telling God, keeping the water table low. Meanwhile, you know, there's no life on the, the leaves. So that image just struck me as you were... It's a great image. And I think as, as I'm listening to talk about that, it strikes me again, you know, I'm... We're both dads. We have yeah. households. I'm thinking, what's the, what's the water table in my family mm. like? Because I can have responsibility for shaping that. Mm. And then with those around me, okay, I can't necessarily shape the whole church, but you know, those I come into influence with, am I a, a raiser or a lower of the water table by the way in which I live by faith? Yeah. And you know, I t there's something really beautiful about being around people that, that expect God to do something because he is so loving and he is so kind that it's like the child that, I mean, I have a grandson now. He comes up to me. He's always smiling, and he has his arms up because he doesn't know a lot about me, and so he feels safe. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> his dad will tell him otherwise. Yeah. But uh, so, so he, he, he trusts. He inherently trusts and feels safe with me, and, and so therefore he just comes with expectant eyes and expectant posture that I will be a good grandfather to him. Mm -hmm. And I think that maybe part of this conversation is revisiting, you know, how do we view God as, as our loving mm -hmm. father? Is he someone we really can trust? This isn't all the intricacies of healing, but it really, there's a lot of stuff at the bottom level of 
do we really trust God as a loving Heavenly Father? Mm. And are we willing to live that out as we go about our lives yeah. as well? So it's not just in the Sunday morning bubble, yeah. but it's as we go to work or as we go to school or as we're with our neighbors or whatever. Uh, is that just something that's just like our operating system? Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this raises a lot of questions. We've got to keep an eye on our time. This raises a lot of questions about praying for people, mm-hmm. um, and you've done a couple uh, seminars here at Grace on that, kind of the, the process, not mm-hmm. about needing more information, but needing process. How do I do this? How do I, you know, how do I step into this? So kind of in, um, you've spent quite a bit of time giving people who have attended that some of this. What would you say to some of us who want to have um, a little bit of process for stepping into praying for people? And then maybe we can, yeah. you can practice it by praying for some people yeah. and we'll wrap it up. Cool. Okay. Uh, so if you wanted a framework, those of you who like a little framework process, as you just said, or process, as you incorrectly pronounced it, um, <laughs> is, uh, is five things, five steps, I would say. Is, so I'd say, if you're jotting something down, here's five things. I'd say, first of all, listen to the person. So if you notice when, when people come to Jesus again and again, he says to them, what can I do for you? Or what is, in effect, he's saying, what, what would you like me to, to pray for you? Or mm-hmm. why have you come? So just because someone comes hobbling up to you on crutches doesn't mean they're coming for, to get their leg prayed for. It might be there's something else that's going on. They want to now, you might do a two-for-one and give them the leg prayer as well, but that's not why they <laughs> primarily come. Um, so, so it's listen to the person. What is it they want? Almost like it's, it's almost what do you have faith for mm. at one level. I wouldn't put the question like that, mm. but I think there's something of that that's in there. Uh, so number one, listen to the person. Number two, listen to Jesus. Listen to God. So um, for me, what that means is, so I'm listening to the person, and I, it's not a long, it doesn't have to be a long, long thing. It's just like, what do you want to pray for? You, in. And then I might say, is it all right if I just perhaps put a hand on your shoulder? Just, I just want to you know, pray for you. And then what I'll tend to do is I'll just be quiet for 30 seconds or a minute. And um, I'm just trying to listen to God. Because the, the temptation is to start babbling off and pray my great theologically correct prayer and then go, amen, move on. Mm. And I actually don't find that to be very effective. This is my experience. And so my encouragement to you would be just to pause in the presence of God and just... Because often I find he gives me little pictures in my mind's eye or just a sense of how to pray. There's a sense of direction. Um, and it makes the prayers far more effective. And really, you're trying to... I'm just like... When I'm praying, I'm the midwife. Mm, I'm not healing them. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is healing them. So right. let's try and listen to the one who's actually doing the healing. So, um, and it helps... I think it helps people being prayed for. When, I, when I've been prayed for... Many times I've been prayed for by people. And when they do that, it's very helpful. Just it helps me be attentive to the Spirit as well. So listen to them. Listen to Jesus. The third word is prayer. So I've kind of leapt into that already. Mm-hmm. So pray for them. And I think prayer, it doesn't have to be a long, eloquent prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, short and sweet is absolutely fine. Uh, but I think it's a prayer that's got faith in it. Mm-hmm. So if I was going to give a don't, don't do a prayer that's full of pastoral reasons why God might not heal you today. And I, I hear that happen so often. People pray mm-hmm. and they start listing all the reasons. And it's out, of a, it's out of a pastoral heart, but I think that's completely the wrong time and place to do that. Okay? So just pray a prayer of faith and boldness. What is it you would like for that person? And um, Pray that. It's almost mm-hmm. what I would say. And then the fourth step is um, you, you do feedback or follow-up. So mm-hmm. I might, you know, you finish praying, say, 
Mm -hmm. Did you sense anything or anything different? If they've got something that's tangibly measurable, um, you know, if someone says, I came, I got a sore back, I got a stiff back, I said, well, how's your back feel? Or migraine. Got a migraine, how's your migraine, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, what's interesting is that gives a moment for someone to actually, it, it's almost like you're saying, I expect Jesus to heal, and they kind of go, oh, right, and then they test it out. And it's interesting, quite a number of times people go, well, I do feel a lot better, actually. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe you might have someone says, well, I feel a bit better, mm -hmm. like the time when Jesus prayed for a man who was blind, and he prays for him, and then says, can you see? And he goes, well, I can see people, but they look like trees. So Jesus prays a second time for him. So I think it's legitimate to pray a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And then the fifth stage is next steps. And that's just simply, what are you going to do out of this? And obviously, if there's been some major thing, there's more conversation. If it's a mm -hmm. headache, it might just be, well, just give thanks to God for that. Go and tell mm -hmm. someone about mm -hmm. it and give thanks for it. So it's, it's, and it's, I'm not saying that those are five steps. It's not the law, but it gives a really helpful framework, which many people have found out or a version of that to be really useful. Beautiful. Would you like to pray? Yes. So, Jesus, thank you that uh, you tell us in the Bible that um, healing is a gift of your spirit. And so we pray now that you would release that gift in a fresh measure to each one of us that we would have a boldness and a confidence to pray for people when we encounter them, when they're sick, mm. whatever form that takes, whatever mm. sort of sickness it is. Lord, I pray that you would give us gifts of faith. Mm. And again, you tell us in the Bible that faith is a gift, and so we pray for a fresh gift of faith in our hearts that we would... we will be able to trust you to step out and, um, and to pray in situations where kind of at a human level we feel a bit silly, but actually we're living by a different narrative. We're not going to function as, uh, in, in an atheistic manner, but we're going to function as people who believe that you're a supernatural God who intervenes in lives today. And Father, I want to pray for us as a community that we would see that water table of faith rise. Lord, that we'd see a water table of faith and of perseverance rising, Lord, that we would be the sort of place that um, we have great expectancy for you to move and to touch lives, uh, but also, Lord, that we would be the sort of people who persevere and stand with those who are going through long-term illness and chronic conditions, and we would stand and we would pray and we would pray and we would pray a thousand times if that's what it takes. Lord, so I pray it helps to balance those two things together. We'd be full of faith and full of perseverance. Lord, as Lou said, we, we, we pray that we'd see that, that, that table, that water table rise around, around us. And Lord, uh, we pray that this is something that won't just be for Sunday mornings or for life groups or, or villages or anything like that. It'll be, we want to see it in those places, obviously, but Lord, we pray this for something that you would enable us to take to our communities, to our neighbours, to our extended family, to uh, school, to work, to the gym, wherever it is we go, Lord. I pray that uh, you would give us opportunities to pray for those who are believers, to, to build us up in faith, but also, Lord, this would be something that, that um, increasingly would be something that we can share with those who are not yet followers of you. Thank you that again and again, that's how you uh, reached people and you, you told your disciples to do that, to, to heal the sick, cast out demons, and to say the kingdom has come amongst you.